Imagine being in the time period when the first Star Wars came out. Now, some of you have been. Some of you are old enough to have seen it when it first came out in theaters for the very first time. Imagine seeing the first three Star Wars movies in succession for the first time in theaters. Now, imagine going through what happened with the prequels after that. Now, imagine what's happening now. Now, this is such a big thing for me because there's almost three different types of Star Wars fans. And then there's assholes, which I'm not going to talk about those because those guys are just assholes. But there's like these three different types of Star Wars fans. There's the younger fans that like the prequels. And, I mean, they like the originals, but they like the prequels because they grew up with them. So they think that the entire saga of Star Wars is perfect. And so these new sequels that have just come out are bad to them because they're now adults. And so they look at it through this adult lens of they're taking my childhood and now they're thinking about it a little more critically than they would. They'll never really think about the original saga and the prequel saga as bad or think of it in a critical way because it's something from their childhood. Just like anybody from anybody any from the second type, the older group, who grew up watching the original trilogy and were grown up when the prequel trilogy came out, so they will never look at the original trilogy through a critical lens because they saw it as children, but they will look at the prequel trilogy through a very, very critical lens, and so on and so forth. So, basically, what they thought of the prequel trilogy is what this new generation is thinking of this sequel trilogy. And so, they're never going to see it as good, really. I mean, the, the, in fact, like what made Force Awakens good to some people was the fact that it was basically a carbon copy of A New Hope. And I actually didn't like that fact. <laughs> and see, it's just... There's a lot going into what people like and what people don't like. The young, one, the young kids and the younger adults love the Ewoks. They're okay with Jar Jar. But even they hate Jar Jar. Even some of them hate Jar Jar. And it's very confusing to me. What actually happened to Star Wars fans? Because first of all, looking at the prequel trilogy, it's clearly inferior to the original trilogy. That's clear. As a trilogy, in, in, as a whole, it's clearly, like, it's clearly the superior trilogy. The original trilogy is cl- clearly the superior trilogy. Now, I think that... George Lucas made the first Star Wars, right? And it was amazing. It had people hooked. It was such a nice hook, get you in the story. It didn't do as much. It just made a good movie. Now, he went off again to make Empire Strikes Back, 
where George Lucas was able to recreate the magic that he did with the first one and then some. To a lot of people, Empire Strikes Back is the pinnacle of Star Wars movies. So you can definitely say that George Lucas was able to recreate the magic that he did a few years earlier. Now with The Return of the Jedi, it's very so-so. It ends the trilogy, it wraps up everything nicely. I think it's still a great movie, but it's the worst out of the three. Showing that maybe in the future, he might not be able to recreate this anymore. And boy, did he prove that. George Lucas proved that he could not recreate the same magic that the first trilogy had. Now, I don't hate the prequel trilogy. I really don't. But my main point here is that it is the inferior trilogy, and it shows that he could not recreate the magic that he once did. So why do we expect new filmmakers to be able to recreate that magic? The best that we can expect from new filmmakers is to make movies. Now, my whole point of this is this hatred over Last Jedi. And... Like, what, where their high standards actually come from. I'm really wondering where they're coming from. Now, I know that there's some people that hate the movie that are about the same age as J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson. Now, my theory to that is that those people hate the movie because, I mean, I don't want to say out of jealousy. I want to say... They feel they are in a um they are the same age as the people creating Star Wars now. So they feel like they were exposed to Star Wars the same way and they feel like maybe they could do better. And they're always going to think this way. Another theory I have is all these fans that were exposed to the expanded universe, I mean, still exposed to it to this day, exposed to the expanded universe for so long that they have this preset of what happens after the original trilogy and who Luke, Leia, and Han's kids are and what goes on after everything. And what goes on in the universe of Star Wars. They have such this set opinion of that. That having that all stricken from canon. And just being called legend. Isn't something that they're willing to accept. So anything that happens in in the new trilogy. Isn't what they want. Because they already know what happens. In the end of after the original trilogy of Star Wars. Because they've read it. For years and years and years. In my opinion, the, the expanded universe of Star Wars in these books has never been canon. And once you realize that, you realize that whatever gets put on the big screen, that is what is canon. And so, really it didn't matter how good this trilogy was. Somebody would hate it. There'd be groups of people petitioning because that's how people feel now. Now that we have such, everybody has such a 
crazy amount of presence on the internet. In fact, there's so many, I go on Twitter every day, and there's so many people, I have no idea who the hell they are, but they're verified. There's so many verified people on Twitter now, because honestly, you can actually technically become verified. It's a lot easier to, because looking at it now, following people is just like adding people on Facebook. So if you have a certain amount of followers, you're going to be verified anyway. And now I don't want to really go into that, but I'm just saying there's so many people that are verified now. It shows that we have this crazy connection on the internet that now they're able to try to band people together over a disagreement. They're able to try to get people to petition to strict Last Jedi Not Canon and remake it. And also be assholes at the same fucking time. Now, I thought Last Jedi was good. And I am on this other side of this to where I actually think Last Jedi is better than Return of the Jedi. I will not concede and say that it is better than Empire Strikes Back or better than A New Hope. I actually have this idea that it is in my top three Star Wars movies. Still haven't seen Solo yet. I heard it wasn't that great. I'd probably enjoy it. I know I probably would. Because also I'm at this point in my life where I'm not as critical towards movies as I once was. In fact, I'm able to look at movies as an art form, thanks to Kevin Smith, who basically explained it the best way of saying, what is the point of trashing somebody's artwork? What is the point of looking at somebody's artwork and saying that it's bad? It technically can't be. Because it's somebody put their heart and soul into this movie, and they really did. And even like Mark Hamill had his doubts about what was going on, but it all makes sense. Now I'm going to go through some of the problems that people have with Last Jedi. Now I would go through and go see Solo and dissect the problems that people have with Solo, but you know... I don't really think that we should look at Star Wars based on these spin-off movies. Uh, and I know that those are going to be kind of the regular movies after a while that we see. And there's a lot of potential there, especially with all these different directors that could be doing it. But I don't think that looking at an individual movie reflects the entirety of it. I think it's better to look at one of the bigger movies, which is what's going on with the actual saga of Star Wars. So I'm going to go through some of the things that people had a problem with with Last Jedi. Last Jedi was done by Ryan Johnson. It was done very differently from Force Awakens. In fact, I feel like Last Jedi was almost necessary to make episode nine not feel like a carbon copy of something and i feel like ryan johnson did this on purpose i feel like because looking at jj abrams it was clear that he was going to have this syndrome that he did with star trek because force awakens was so much like a new hope and you know i don't really even totally have a problem with it but it was such a love letter to new hope that it's very reminiscent of what he did with star trek if you look at the first Star Trek that he worked on, and Into Darkness, both movies are a complete love letter to Wrath of Khan. The first one being 
like surrounding this idea of the Kobayashi Maru. And basically just like, that's the whole main plot point of the entire movie. I mean, yeah, you go into Romulans and you go into like resetting the entire timeline so we can move forward from there. But the main full circle of the movie is centered around Captain Kirk dealing with death through the Kobayashi Maru. And the first mention of the Kobayashi Maru and the fact that it was actually a major plot point in Wrath of Khan. Like, it was a huge thing in Wrath of Khan. In fact, he cheats death in Wrath of Khan. Like, he does this thing in Wrath of Khan that cheats death. I don't want to go into that, because if you haven't seen Wrath of Khan, you should see it. But then, Into Darkness, of course, is a love letter to Wrath of Khan, because the villain is Khan. (laughs) And I have my own problems with into darkness i mean when i first saw it i thought it was a great movie because it's a really fun movie it has some really epic moments because when i go see a movie i honestly don't even think about it critically until after i'm out of the movie i just sit there and enjoy the ride which i expect everybody should want to do that rather than sit there oh i have a problem with that 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 just enjoy what you're seeing drop all bias and enjoy what you're seeing and that's how i was able to enjoy into darkness the first time i watched it but Looking back at those two movies, it's very clear that those two movies were huge love letters to Wrath of Khan. Now, look at what Ryan Johnson did. Ryan Johnson set up stuff that was very similar to Empire Strikes Back. He set up ideas that are very similar to that. Um, the, the lone Jedi going to the Lost Forbidden Planet where the... Jedi that's in exile is denying training her or her or him for their own specific reasons. And then eventually they start training them. And then that Jedi leaves too early in their training for their specific reason and go off to try to save their friends that are being captured by the Empire's last first order. Now, that's where the, the, comp- the comparisons to Empire Strikes Back stop. And then the plot takes a dive into Return of the Jedi. They take a dive into Return of the Jedi's third act. And that's even crazier. Like the, the comparisons to Return of the Jedi are all there in this last fight scene of Last Jedi. Well, not the last fight scene, but like this epic fight scene. And Kylo turning on Snoke, which everybody had a huge problem with. I think it is so perfect because it is literally that point where we can stop saying that Kylo's a pussy. He's been a pussy up to this point. But now Kylo has become badass. And he's not going to look badass until af- after this movie. So episode 9, Kylo Ren has officially reached that point that Anakin reaches when he turns into Darth Vader. When he finally reaches that point, 
that's when Kylo Ren's going to become a badass. No villain that we're seeing the beginning of, or seeing the origins of, or seeing all this backstory behind, they're not going to become a badass until, like, the third movie. Anakin Skywalker did this. He was literally a whining, quivering, little wimp of a person who bitched about everything until the third movie. And so this is just this complete wraparound to leading him to this badass character. And you could see him, and honestly, I think he should probably, with no mercy, kill somebody at some point. There's also no actual, like... There's no actual saying that Snoke is dead. And I'm going to say that real fast, that it doesn't seem like Snoke is actually dead because of the fact that he's able to do probably everything that Luke is able to do, like be able to drop dice on somebody's hand and they don't disappear and they don't go through their hand, but yet is able to completely have a lightsaber cut him in half and it doesn't do anything to him. I feel like Snoke's sort of the same way. I feel like Snoke is a made his body do that. He wanted, there's a way that he wanted Kylo to betray him. So that point that Kylo becomes, like his training becomes complete. In my eyes, Kylo's almost a Sith Lord, even though the Sith Lords don't exist, because he defeated his master. That's really the final step in a Sith Lord's training, is killing their master. Now, what if, what if Snoke found a way to complete Kylo Ren's training while keeping both of them alive. That's insane to think about. Now, moving on to something else that we have a problem with, that people have a problem with, is Luke Skywalker's character. Mainly, like, they had a problem with him drinking milk out of that weird alien cow thing, which is a joke. Like, it's clearly a joke. It should be taken as a joke. A really weird and vulgar joke that does seem out of place for a lot of people. That's okay, but it's still a joke. Like, if that's your main problem with Last Jedi, then really you have no, like, right to be criticizing. Because I've seen worse jokes. <laughs> now, looking at that, his character makes a lot of sense. And now a lot of people were like, okay, Luke Skywalker would never do that. Luke Skywalker would never give up. Luke Skywalker is the person that always fights. Luke Skywalker is the person that never gives up in his youth. Now, guess who also really didn't give up in his youth? <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. Guess who also didn't go into exile until shit went down? Yoda. The thing is, like, everybody's mad that he's going into exile and giving up when literally... He's only learned from the two Jedi that, had, that were forced to go into exile. So when shit really hits the fan, an old Luke Skywalker is going to go into exile because that's what he thinks is he, what he's supposed to do. Now, of course, he is looking at... And a lot of people think he wouldn't abandon the Force. I think, honestly... Abandoning the Force is well into Luke Skywalker's character. Because looking at 
Luke Skywalker, he's literally had so much faith in the Force for so long. He knew that he would be able to get his father to turn to the light side. And he knew all this would happen. And he thought doing all this would bring balance to the Force and everything would be good. But then, of course, Snoke shows up. Snoke turns Kylo Ren, turns Ben Solo into Kylo Ren and turns him evil. So in his eyes, he's done all this hard work to help bring balance to the Force. And he's done all this awesome stuff to bring peace to the galaxy. And it all means nothing. So of course, of course, in Luke Skywalker's mind, he gives up. He gives up on the Force because it didn't do what they said it would do. It didn't bring balance to the Force. The prophecy was wrong. So, of course, he abandons all the teachings. That's the thought process you have to have. Now, there's just so much hatred towards this movie. I thought, honestly, it was set up perfectly. The ending was amazing. The last, like, fight scene between Kylo and Luke was perfectly done. There didn't need to even be a lightsaber striking another lightsaber. Now think about that for a minute. This movie didn't even need that. And, you know, that might be some people's problem with the movie is the fact that there was no real lightsaber fight. And it's just like, okay, but did you like A New Hope? There was like a really old lightsaber fight in that one. And it was very reminiscent of that. Like, Kylo versus Luke is very, very reminiscent of Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader. Very reminiscent of that. To where almost, like, Obi-Wan didn't even really need to fight Darth Vader. And he didn't really even want to. Honestly, he was just waiting and stalling Darth Vader so Luke and his friends could leave. And really, if you watch A New Hope, Luke Skywalker never even sees Obi-Wan use his lightsaber. Because by the time that they're in the Death Star, they're just Darth Vader and old Ben Kenobi are at a standstill. And the last, the only, the last and only thing that... Luke Skywalker sees of old Ben Kenobi, his trainer, his very first trainer, is him surrendering and letting Darth Vader strike him down. That is very much in Luke Skywalker's character. How he died is very much in Luke Skywalker's character because he was trained to be this way. I don't have any problem with Last Jedi. In fact, I really like the movie, and I think that it's going to be the peak of what happened. Honestly, I don't, I'm sure the last one will be really good, but also you have, a ch- you don't, like, you have this sort of chance that J.J. Abrams will try to 
send a love letter to another movie. Which I don't, that's why I think Ryan Johnson was kind of necessary. Because he sent a love letter simultaneously to both Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So at this point, J.J. Abrams has no other choice but to re, like, but to create a completely original movie. And that's what we wanted. That's what you want when it comes to it. You don't want stuff like Solo. You don't want stuff like Rogue One, though I would love a Kenobi movie. Kenobi movie sounds great, and it has a lot of promise behind it. And what we need to reunite all the Star Wars fans is a Ewan McGregor fucking Kenobi movie where he fights Ray Park as Darth Maul. That's a separate thought process, though. Going back to what I was saying, like, you don't need these movies that are, like, these looking at old characters' pasts, looking at old missions, like finding the Death Star plans and stuff like that, what you actually need is an original story. And I'm hoping that what Episode Nine does for Star Wars going forward is that after the Kenobi movies are over, because those are something we definitely need as Star Wars fans, after the Kenobi movie goes over, they need to move on and create Star Wars movies from scratch. Create an idea from scratch. Create characters from scratch. Do something original with Star Wars. Now, there's always going to be Jedis. There's always going to be certain things that make a Star Wars movie a Star Wars movie. But you really just you have to create original content. From that moment on. They've been restricted. They've tried to create all this original content. But they're working with characters that they've already worked with before. And it has to lead to this ultimate goal of it. Like the ultimate goal of Rogue One is that they die getting the Death Star plans to the Rebels. The ultimate goal of Luke Scott, of Han Solo is leading him to the point where he goes and goes off and eventually... Starts the process of getting to a new hope. Like, you can't kill off Han Solo. There's no fear of death in that moment. You need a movie that has fear of what's going to happen next. And that is where Star Wars would end up being. I hope that Episode Nine does that. And a lot of people want Episode Nine to just magically fix what they have a, what they have a problem with with... Last Jedi, I can tell you that in a year, when Episode 9 finally comes out, there will be just as many fans who hated it. Just like there was just as many fans that hated Force Awakens. There's always going to be a huge group of fans that absolutely despise a Star Wars movie that comes out. There's always going to be that. There's nothing, absolutely nothing that we can do to make the perfect Star Wars movie because the perfect Star Wars movie has already been made. And that's Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) And, you know, everybody's got their opinion. Everybody's got their favorite Star Wars. And honestly, I feel like the people that hated Last Jedi are people that actually think that A New Hope is the superior Star Wars movie to Empire Strikes Back. Meanwhile, the people that loved Last Jedi 
probably like to Empire Strikes Back a little more. I'm only basing that on my own personal experiences because I loved Empire Strikes Back and I love Last Jedi. My sister's favorite is A New Hope and she loved Force Awakens. So that's just kind of where we're standing. Uh, I know there's probably some people that loved Empire Strikes Back that actually hated Last Jedi, but I don't know if... I don't know anybody's experiences. (laughs) But I can guess a lot of this, a lot of reasons why people hate Last Jedi so much. And it has a lot to do with they think that a perfect Star Wars movie needs to be made when they shouldn't have that high of standards. And honestly, I mean, I think that Last Jedi is nearly perfect. I think it's a great movie. And any flaws in the movie are actually good for a movie to have. You don't want something to be perfect. You really don't. So that's all I got to say about Star Wars. Um, The next probably half of this podcast episode, which is my inaugural podcast episode, because, I mean, there was that episode zero. But the rest of this podcast will probably be talking about another fan base that is very spoiled and wants perfection when there is none. That's right. Looking at you, Bethesda fandom. That's going to be the next part of this podcast, is that I will be talking directly to the Bethesda fans. (laughs) And their spoiled reactions to Fallout 76. So now on to you, Bethesda fans. <laughs> um, I'm looking at all this hate towards Fallout 76, the idea behind it and everything. Honestly, my main problem with it is that this isn't Fallout 5. Like, I don't understand where this hatred comes from when this isn't Fallout 5, this is an extra game. Like, really, the Fallout 4 came out in, like, three years ago. Just three years ago, Fallout 4, 4 came, or Fallout, yeah, Fallout 4 came out three years ago. Meanwhile, like, Skyrim came out seven years ago. So my idea, my idea behind this is, like, why are they complaining about it when they just had a Fallout game that already came out? And I'm in this group that, like, I understand that this is an extra game. It might be a one-time thing, it might not be, but it's an extra game. Like, looking at it, it's basically the equivalent of what New Vegas was. New Vegas was an interesting idea, but it was an extra game. It wasn't Fallout 4. It was also done through the same engine as Fallout 3. Same as this one is done through the same engine as Fallout 4. I just, I don't understand the blind hatred saying, oh, this is not my Fallout. It's like, this is an extra Fallout. You don't have to do it. It's for the fans that like the gameplay of Fallout, but would love to play with our friends online. Now, another group of people has gone to this idea that since Bethesda couldn't do Elder Scrolls Online, then that means that this is going to suck too. Now that group of people, looking at you, a lot of people really do like Elder Scrolls Online. Like 100%. And you know, 
this is why Fallout's not being advertised the same way. It's not being advertised as an MMO because it's not an MMO. It's an online Fallout. As opposed to Elder Scrolls Online, which was advertised as a massive multiplayer online. Which is why you cannot compare it to this because of the fact that it can't even be compared to other Elder Scrolls games. Because it can also only really be compared to stuff like World of Warcraft, League of Legends, and other mass multiplayer onlines. It honestly is a massive... is a, It's an MMO that has like the filter of Elder Scrolls and has the monsters from Elder Scrolls and has sort of the gameplay elements from Elder Scrolls. So looking at this, like it's not supposed to be like an Elder Scrolls game. It's supposed to be an MMO. And a lot of people are still playing it. There's so much, in fact, that they're still making games. Like, they're planning two two games ahead. Somerset Isles just came out, and then they're going to fucking High Rock. And they actually have one more right after that that they were talking about. I don't remember what they were saying. I think it's uh, Black Marsh or something. I'm not sure what's going on exactly. I'm not following Elder Scrolls Online because, I mean, it wasn't my cup of tea. But there's still a lot of people that are playing it, a lot of people that are loving it. So it really didn't fail like people were actually thinking that it failed. It was just not the game that they wanted. But let me tell you why Fallout 76 is different. Elder Scrolls Online was done by ZeniMax. Fallout 76 is done by Bethesda Game Studios. This is Bethesda Game Studios' first online game. They didn't work on Elder Scrolls. They didn't work on Elder Scrolls Online. You can tell that because if they did, it would look a lot more like Skyrim, and it would also wouldn't be the same kind of online. They wouldn't make an MMO. They're not in the business of making MMOs. It'd probably look a lot more like Fallout seventy six. <laughs> and honestly, I feel like if Elder Scrolls Online didn't come out the way it did, there'd be a lot of people that probably would be very excited about Fallout 76 that aren't as excited about Fallout 76 now because of Elder Scrolls Online. But honestly, looking at what Fallout 76 is, rather than being an MMO with Fallout 76 capabilities, it is literally just an online version of Fallout 4. Like, it's Fallout 4, but it's online. And I was looking into it, there's been, like, almost every Fallout game, there's been some guy or some group of developers that have developed a modded universe of, multi- of online Fallout. This is literally just Bethesda doing that. Now, I, I guess they don't like that group of people either. It's so confusing to me that everybody hates on... Fallout 76 as an idea when it's literally not Fallout 5. It's its own game. I'm trying not to ramble here. So I'm going to get to my conclusion to this kind of early. Because, I mean, I've gotten everything that I wanted to say here. Fallout 76 is an exciting game. I finally get to play Fallout with my fiancé. 
we finally get to play together, which is something that we would love to do. Instead of hundreds and hundreds of players in one area in West Virginia, there's dozens and dozens. So looking at that is I might we might not even come across anybody for miles because this is a massive map. Um, there were people talking about the NPCs. I'm pretty sure the MP- I'm pretty sure there has to be NPCs. <laughs> people were freaking out. I was like, there's not going to be NPCs. It's like, you really think that any of us are starting out as like a high ranking person? No. We're all like, we're all civilians that signed up for this vault. There has to be a hierarchy that's not just the overseer. There has to be people that are set up. To start civilizations. There's going to be tutorials on how to do things. So who do you think is going to teach you those tutorials? People. <laughs> That's just my biggest confusion there. But honestly, I love the idea behind Fallout 76. And I am so happy that it's being made. I'm going to be one of the first people that gets a copy of this game. <laughs> one of the first thousands. <laughs> And I I am sure it's going to do well. It's going to have its problems. But every game does have its problems. But that's also why Bethesda is even smarter than ZeniMax. Because they're putting out a beta for this. So they can get rid of all the problems that Bethesda has had with starting games. Like when they think that when you think that Skyrim is perfect or when they think that Fallout 4 is perfect it gets released and people find so many glitches. Now, with it being an online game, they're being way more careful about this. And they're going through and they're going to put this beta through and we're going to find all these glitches so they can make a almost completely polished version of the game. And I can bet you I can bet you that with how successful this is going to be, Mark my words, they might start putting out demos. Bethesda might remake this whole demo craze, you know? Like, put out, like, smaller versions of these games where you get to explore this little tiny, this, like, smaller area and do a bunch of this stuff and kind of give everybody kind of a preview to the game. And they'll be able to make some of the best, most polished, glitch-free games now. They've learned from the past, Bethesda's done making the glitchiest games while also having the best games. They just want the best games. So I feel like this is going to be a huge turning point in Bethesda. It also could go bad pretty quickly, especially since they've announced their next two games after their most risky title. And now I'm one of the people that can't wait for single-player experience with Starfield and the next Elder Scrolls. But, I mean, this is not that. This is an extra game. The fact that people are really this mad and being like, oh, they can't make an extra game. They have to make single-player games all the time. It's like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> they're making an extra game while they're waiting on these bigger, bigger titles. See, because they've been working on Starfield for so long, it's clear that they've been working on Starfield since, like, Fallout... Since before Fallout 4 came out. It's clear that they've been working on it for so long because of the fact that they're literally putting out a game that they already have the engine for. 
They're putting out Fallout 76 as an extra game that they already have the engine for. If they were already making Fallout 5, it'd be done through a different engine. That's, like, that's how they do things. So they're literally putting this out as kind of a fun thing for all of us to do. They're putting out a complete Fallout game for all of us to play together until Starfield comes out and until Elder Scrolls 6 comes out. And I think that's perfect. So that's all I got to say. I'm going to try to make this a weekly podcast where I talk about things that are interesting to me. Um, these two are the big, big things that I've been thinking about a lot in the past m- couple months, even. Um, I'd like to talk more about different things. Uh, I'd like to delve into some Marvel movies. Um, I know I've got this idea for a, uh, a horror podcast episode where I talk about horror movies that have come out in the last few years with my fiance, because both of us have seen all these horror movies. Like, literally, we've been together watching horror movies for a long time. The, like, first movies that we watched together were the Paranormal Activity movies, and we've just been watching from there. We love getting scared together, because I think it makes it easier on both of us. (laughs) So, yeah, I want to have a sit-down with my fiance where we basically just talk about our favorite horror films. And honestly, like, most of my favorite horror films came out in the last, like, four years. That, and that's crazy to think about, but some of the newest horror films, these have been some of the greatest horror films that we've ever seen, and, like, we're honestly in the golden age of horror movies right now. And I'll get more onto that next week. I'm going to try to figure out a time for me and Addie to sit down. Um, I'm probably going to try to get her to do it on Sunday, which is my birthday. That'll be a nice thing to do because I get to plan the whole day. So I'll be like, hey, let's just sit down and do a start of a podcast. (laughs) So, yeah, that's it. That's it for this week. Thank you so much. Bye.